So I can't help but notice that you're um, you're not yeah, at I'm home. You, you've, no. um, you've been flaunting the um, coronavirus restrictions a little bit. Yeah, I hightailed it. I hightailed it. I, 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 I hightailed it. I'll, I'll edit out all of that bit. You won't sound like an idiot. Thanks, man. Um, I had tailed it to the uh, to the Galapagos. I yeah, think. <laughs> that's where I have. Yeah, it's um it's a very convincing sort of uh, backdrop that you've got there. But I do notice that sometimes your arm slightly mm. disappears into a void of nothingness. That um, is, is that the do, Galapagos. With, that's with to do with the the equator. Oh, um, so that's heat that you see. Okay, is <laughs> so it's heat waves. Yeah. Oh, it's it's like uh, seeing an oasis in a desert. It's just like ripples exactly. and it deletes your face or your microphone or your arms. Exactly. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I disappear completely. <laughs> um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind turning it off so I don't have like a seizure as I look at you. Uh, that's nicer. That's nice though. That's, that's me. That's, where, that's what this photo should be. So you've superimposed yourself over the picture of my boyfriend in which I am embracing him on a very special trip that we took. Is there... And you know what? You've never looked happier. I've never looked happier. No. Is there some sort of message this I should right. take from this positioning? No, 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 no. It seems I... like you're explicitly almost superimposing yourself in the position of someone that causes me happiness. Is that... Is that the way I should interpret this? <laughs> yeah. Right, back to regular life. Oh, it is good to see you. It's been a month. Oh, oh man, you know what? I wouldn't don't don't tell Nick I said this, but I missed him. Oh, I won't. I'll make sure that he knows he's a piece of shit. Great. You can say it back now. <laughs> I have missed you. Of course oh, I I it's it feels so more forced now that you asked for it, but um, I suppose that's kind of our dynamic. Yeah. Um, I did. It's been, uh, there's been so many exciting things happening in both of our lives. I made a TV show, you sat in your house <laughs> and I just being eager and excited to catch up you know and what? to tell you all about you know, it, to hear all about it. Can um, I tell you, uh-huh. can I tell you when, when, um, when we were scheduling this pod, I was like, I was thinking, I mean. I've got lots to ask you about what you've been doing at the TV show. Uh-huh. And I was just like struck with, you know, cause sometimes I like to like come to the table with a few bits and pieces. Uh-huh. I mean, and I have, uh-huh. but um, clearly I've got nothing compared to you. And so <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, I don't think you should write yourself off so quickly. I am interested in knowing what the experience of uh, lockdown V two has been like. Um, so, yeah, I, I I I hope that we can split things fairly equally this pod. Oh yeah, but uh, I can't wait to hear about your show. I, th- I love that this is just like the the preamble. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we could talk about any one of these <laughs> That's things immediately. Coming later, guys. <laughs> this is Stick very formal. For that. Sorry, guys, just yeah. looking at the agenda here, it says we're not talking about the important substance just yet. So um, no. I guess we will have to defer we'll that. We'll do that after the intro. Nice to acknowledge it. Typically, yeah. Yeah, it comes a little bit later. Um, yeah. Wearing a uh, branded T-shirt, I know. Uh, I noticed that you're not. Yeah, mine's in the wash. They they turned out good, they turned out good these ones. They the, d- the quality is a little bit to be... Uh, yeah, the quality is not great, but I got a really good deal on them. So, oh yeah, How, where did know. they get made locally? Is um, it organic cotton? It's not. It is. 
it's just some label making place. Okay. That a friend actually, uh, sorry, I've got a little echo here. Uh, a friend of mine kind of uh, is involved with. So, got a pretty good deal. It's <laughs> a weird way of framing something. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's involved with them. Hold he's on. employed by is them? She... No, 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 no. She's, she's uh, involved with them. Oh, she like does some work for them or she owns the them. No, 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 is... no, 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 no. She's, uh, she's involved with them. She referred me to them. <laughs> the involvement. <laughs> she knows. She knew of them. <laughs> wait, wait. Is that actually what it was? She actually has nothing to do with this place. She just knew that they existed. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's not involvement. You've Isn't vastly it? overstated her inclusion in this uh, business enterprise. Just knowing, I'm not involved with McDonald's just because I've heard of them. <laughs> Well, if you refer to, if you refer a place, I feel like you know you've got some investment. Does there. she get a cut? No. Okay. Nonsense. Not at all. Ridiculous. Not at all. However, I got I got mad discounts. Okay. Why? Uh, just because I got this app called Honey. You've probably okay. heard of it. No. It's actually this week's sponsor, Honey. Okay. Um, it's actually an extension that you can put in your browser. And it uh, automatically scans, if you're on a shopping website, automatically scans for the best possible price and and runs through all these possible coupons right. that exist online and finds you the best price. And so. that's, that's spelt how? Honey. Okay. Yeah. Like, no, I heard you say it, but that doesn't help me to find it. Is it spelt like the food? Is honey a food? Uh-huh. Okay. Not to be. That's a weird tangent. No, it is to bees. Bees eat honey. Oh my gosh, you don't know anything about bees. Do bees eat honey? I thought they bees. used it to like protect themselves or something. Okay. Gosh, you need to watch my literally three to four year old targeted animated science show in which we explain how bees make honey because apparently you have uh, lived this long without understanding. That anyway, actually sounds right up my alley. It does. It, I could see you enjoying it while high. The, um, <laughs> the built in browser extension. H O N E Y, yeah. Okay, okay. I was picturing I'm it could you be heard of it. No, because I have money, so I just don't use promo codes. <laughs> uh, how that's are you going financially? True. That's actually not true. <laughs> I do use promo codes all the time. Um, I'm going okay. You don't make much money making TV, but I'm actually I'm pretty stable. I okay. think this year is going to be my best financial year as a freelancer, which is cool. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've worked back up to the level of savings that I had before I went freelancing, which is oh, cool. pretty cool. It yeah, took I'm, three years. I'm, I'm weirdly in a, in a similar position at the moment, uh, which is weird because I've taken a pay cut, uh, but I've had so much less to spend it on Yeah, that I, um, at basically the start of the lockdown, I just paid off all my debts. Um, and so, and that was the thing that was kind of like taking a chunk of my paycheck. And was that the um, first lockdown or this lockdown, the second lockdown? That was the first lockdown in March. Right. Um, so I basically, I mean, I'm not earning heaps of money, but, uh, I've been buying a, been buying a bit of equipment for the, uh, I don't want to call it a studio, but you know, yeah, You're building up some, yeah, you can call it that. You're a professional podcaster. Well, I didn't mean for musician. the fucking podcast, <laughs> for, for, for um, for music making, for your so, photography, 
Um, no, no, those are just, uh, I wouldn't call my, the nudes that I send you photography. Neither would I, to be honest. <laughs> Rule of thirds, mate. I, 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 I don't know why I'm saying this, probably because I just had a shot of vodka, but <laughs> I took the most horrendous nude selfie just for myself the other day. <laughs> it was gruesome. It was like, you took it deliberately to be bad or you took a selfie and it was horrendous. Well, I, I already fucking regret saying this, but (laughs) I took it because I had like a little bit of a, a little bit of a, Oh God. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, see, see, I've decided I actually don't want to know the answer to that. Um, so let me just tell you the angle because I I took it just before (laughs) I went in the shower because I usually, when I go in the shower, I like to listen. My favorite thing is to listen to a podcast in the shower. These days, it's my favorite thing because there's nothing else for me to do. But I put like a little speaker. So I have to set up my phone while the shower is running while it's getting hot. And then I was like, oh, I've got this little, uh, you know, whatever uh, downstairs. So let me, I can't really see Okay, now I feel like we do need to know. I feel like we've, we've come full circle now. Now we need to know what the thing is that you're trying to look at. This, I, I didn't want to end up here, but I feel like no one it's now important. People, too many people will be asking, what's wrong with your dick? <laughs> you just need to say it. It's not my dick. It's my, it's like, it's not even my balls. It's like, it's like my taint. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about this. So you took a selfie where your taint was visible. <laughs> no, so I took a selfie, but it was like of, of the taint, but I was looking at my, I got my head just in it. <laughs> If you can imagine that. <laughs> so my head's just peering over my fucking knob. Um, and I didn't find... It was too blurry to see down there, but I looked, I looked great. Yeah. So it didn't even fulfill the purpose for which it was taken? No. Okay, great. No. No. But then I, I deleted it, but then I realized that your phone actually... And I had a freak out because, because then... I've got my photos automatically set to like uploading to iCloud yeah. and I moved, I deleted the photo instantly after sending it to a few people and I, <coughs> and, and then I realized that, Jeez. You that it's probably that still in the cloud somewhere. <coughs> um, you brushed past that very quickly. And, you know, if I ever... You know, <sighs> when I become super famous, that's, I just thought that was, that was the thing I thought, like, this is gonna, this is gonna haunt me. This Your brother. problem isn't so much that the cloud, uh, cloud, your iCloud holds that photo. If you deleted it on your phone, it'll delete in the cloud. The problem is you send oh. it to other people and now it's in their mm. devices and their clouds and that oh. you can't take, you can't take that back. I just sent it to family, so it should be fine. Oh, okay, that's fine then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Welcome to Deep Forward, everybody. Uh, It's been a little bit of a a journey to get here. It's been a month. It's a little longer than uh, normal times, but uh, I'm so grateful that uh, you've come back and we've got many exciting things to talk about. Uh, This is a, a podcast in which we discuss the ways of the world and the people in it and the world outside our borders. I lost the thread there a little bit, but let's keep going. Sitting through the internet with me, Michael. Say hi, Michael. Hey, Michael. 
Hey, Michael, and my name's Nick. Hi, nice to have you with us. You always, you always do the intros as if you always say me or I am so grateful. You never say we, it's you've which never really done. creates the illusion, and it is an illusion, mm-hmm. that you are in complete control of this podcast, which is kind of what your dad said to me the other day, what? which I, you know, you know how he said, you know, it's nice to see you have some control over the podcast. By the way, me and your dad have been talking. Okay. Yeah. So that also didn't come up. Um, cool. Yeah, I sent it to you. I sent you a screenshot. Oh, I don't read things you send me. Um, the Your point about not being in control of the podcast is uh, interesting to hear, um, and I'll put it on the agenda, and um, yeah, we'll take a look at it. Um, it doesn't bother me that no, 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 we don't on. think I'm in control. Um, okay. The... <laughs> <laughs> that was surprisingly quick. Damn it. <laughs> I have no um, control. Yes, that's I fair. No if you want to, if you want to, I do literally give you a point in the intro when you can say things. Um, so if you ever want to say hi, so grateful for you to be here. Thanks so much for taking part in our little journey together. My name's Michael. Join the club. Um, you're welcome to. You know, you can you can riff there. Typically, you just tend to be asked to be called silly names like Papa Mango. That's not so a that's silly really name. on you. That's my name. No, it's really on you well, for not showing gratefulness. Introduce me. I freeze up. I like. I know. I know. I know. When you're doing the intro, I know that you're about. To, I'm thinking while you're doing the intro. I'm thinking he's about to say, "Say hi, Michael," and I got to think of some way to not sound like an idiot, which I always do. I always go like "Yo" or something, and then or I do what I just did before and go "Hi, Michael," because that's the only thing that I can come up with that's like not taking myself too seriously, but then it sounds too stupid and I always hate it. Sorry. <laughs> it's pent up. I didn't realize there was a lot of baggage. <laughs> it really was. I didn't realize. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I had no idea that this was such a touchy subject for you. Um, yeah. And I'll um, endeavor to be more inclusive when I say in the future that we are grateful to be back. <laughs> Even though you have that ability to. Okay, well, I'll appreciate that if you did do that. Well, did you want me to do the intro again? No. Just do it next week. Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. I didn't mean to make it feel like you weren't included in the podcast. I actually do appreciate this. You're an important. Even though you're making fun of the apology as you're apologizing, which is crazy. You're. Literally parroting your own apology in real time. I uh, really appreciate everything that you do to make this podcast, I suppose, momentarily interesting. Yes. Thank you. And that's in a big part thanks to your efforts. Okay. Brilliant. That's... That's all I wanted to hear, honestly. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we could resolve this. Good. For years, you've wanted to have a fight on this podcast, and now that it's happened, do you feel feel like more relieved? Do you feel like it went the way you expected? We haven't had a fight on this podcast for a long time, and I think we could. Also, we've got some... Also, I assume this one we're just going to have a a rambly catch-up, but... uh, Yeah, I think that's fair. 
Yeah. But uh, we're due for a fight, and I think we should have one. And I think there's definitely areas that um, is, is fertile ground for, for a good old <laughs> beat for bickering. Okay. Well, something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah. Um, tell me how you're experiencing uh, this lockdown. What's well, the um, What's the Melbourne vibes like? You're yeah, a week and a half in? Two weeks in? A week and a half into the stage four lockdown. Yeah. But the area that I'm in has been a, well, was a hotspot area. So we were in lockdown before that where we weren't under the, we weren't under stage four restrictions where we couldn't, we could, at the moment we can only leave our house for an hour to exercise and one person per household can go to the shops uh, once per day. Yeah, wow. Um, so, and it I has mean, to be the same person as well, right? Like the person who's the shopper continues to be the shopper. No, I don't think so. Are you sure? Well, I'm not sure, but I don't think that sounds. Why would okay. that be the case? I don't know. That was how I'd interpreted it that they wanted to minimize the number of people who could be going into the shops. So I had heard, mm. like, if there was four people in a household, even if you're like flatmates and stuff, one person has to go and do that shopping. But yeah. I had assumed that was throughout, not day by day. Well, I don't think so, but it does make a little bit of sense. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, there's not many people out on the streets, but there there is a sense of um, certainly in this area, which has been locked down. It seems, and that's the thing. It feels like we have been personally locked down for quite a long time. Like my movements uh, and my behavior on a day-to-day basis outside of the house hasn't really changed that much because i was i mean we were me and emma were already doing that we were already isolating and going out um only on um on rare occasions yeah so it really feels like even though the harsh restrictions have has come into play that we've this has been quite an ongoing thing and now it's like an endurance uh it feels like endurance is the is the key yeah. To staying sane. And I mean, we've been doing all right. I mean, Emma and I are both working from home, so we're, we're all right. And I've been throwing myself into music, which has been like such a, such a blessing because it just, because it just eats up time. And it's, and it's also, you don't feel like you're wasting time. And yeah. there's been like, I mean, there's probably like maybe one or two nights a week that I'm actually spending the night watching a movie or watching TV. I've, of uh i've been keeping really busy yeah which is um which has been really great um but as far as melbourne goes it's there's a bit of uh there's definitely a bit of fear creeping in i'm just going from social media really uh and talking to my friends that that's that because of the uncertainty because initially it was like six weeks lockdown and then the reopen date for the city was going to be august 19th and then a week and a half ago they said, all right, now stage four lockdown, and that's going to be for six weeks. So that date has pushed back. And then now it's like we're thinking Christmas time. And, I mean, that's been the, that's been the thing. That's my favorite time of year. That's when I'll – that's what, that's been the thing in my mind that's, that I'll be able to see my family and my cousins and, you know, see people from home. And that's like – that's totally up in the air right now. Yeah. And even ScoMo came out today and he was like, don't get your hopes up. Um, so yeah, little, uh, 
if there's no light at the end of the tunnel, then once if the light at the end of the tunnel and if the end of the light and that light is Christmas, um, then that's going to be a real kick in the dick. Yeah. Um, if that uh, if that starts to look a little less uh, hopeful. Mm. But yeah. So how how do you feel the sentiment towards the government for this um, lockdown is 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 percolating? Do you feel like people are like, yes, finally, okay, let's beat this properly, or is it a bit more like, oh, I can't believe they're expecting this of us? Oh, fuck that! I'm not going to stay home. Fuck the government that you know I did it, and it still got bad. So let's just fucking get over it and go yeah. out and live our lives. Like where where do you feel like the sentiments at? Well, I think with with, I mean, you're going by your social bubbles, aren't you? Because yeah. I mean, I if I if I click on a and family, um, I suppose, yeah, yeah, but I don't really have. Fa- I mean, I've got Ben and Laura here, but sure, yeah, I just mean my social bubble. The 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 royal we the the, the generic right. is is considering all of those things. Yeah. Well, I suppose that I mean, I suppose the the feeling is let's all do this, but then there's a large um, portion of the population in in Victoria that is pretty aggressively uh, bitter and um, and resentful towards uh, Dan- Daniel Andrews, who's the premier. Yeah. Um, and there's there's an ongoing investigation at the moment as to whether I mean the government is actually in in part or in full responsible for this second wave um, because of their handling of. Um, uh, private security and quarantine hotels. Right. So there's a little bit of, a little bit of that. But I mean, I only get glimpses of that when I click on like a news.com.au link and go into the comments section. You can sure. really see, and it's, and it's uh, you know, typically full of, from I'm going from from their names yeah. and their profile pictures, baby boomers yeah. that are the ones that are, um, you know, pretty anti. Uh, lockdown or anti-mask wearing—that's been what. That's been, that's been another thing. They made masks mandatory here, and um, yeah, a lot of people are pretty upset about that. And to be fair, it is. I mean, I agree with it, of course, but it is. A, I don't know if you guys—you probably had that. Mandatory we didn't mask have. Wearing. We didn't have mandatory mask wearing. No. Uh, I mean, going out. I do have a mask. Like I, yeah. I wore a mask. So when I flew up to Auckland and stuff, I put one on the plane. Sure. Not because there's been any community transmission or risk of it, but it just felt like a courtesy, really, to other passengers sure. that look. Let's just not take risks, right? Why? Why? Sure. It's not that much of an injustice flying from Christchurch to Auckland to put on a paper mask for an hour. You know. <laughs> yeah. I just I thought it considerate. Um, but everyone, everyone adopted it here yeah. instantly. And you know what's funny about the mask wearing? As soon as, you know, Melbourne's a little bit of a... It's full of trendsters. Uh, <laughs> the, basically, the day masks were made mandatory, you've got everyone with their own kind of unique masks uh, yeah. like out in the street. And, they've, and I've seen heaps of people on, you know, Instagram or whatever, um, taking up, cr- like, making mask as a craft and you know it's become yeah. like now a fashion statement which is interesting that's cool and so interesting in contrary to the american whole discourse about it which is like it's taken away my rights you know i can't breathe when i wear a mask all this kind yeah. of 
stuff. Um, it's kind of heartening that Australia's embrace of that, even if it was a bit begrudging, has seen it be like, okay, this is let's this do this the cool way. Let's do this the Melbourne way, because Melbourne yeah. is that kind of city. Yeah, and it is. It is. I mean, I go out basically every time I go downstairs to leave the house for exercise and stuff. And even if you go for a walk, you have to wear it. Uh, and I basically forget it every time and I get to the post box and then I'm like, ah, shit, my mask and I have to go back inside. So yeah. it's definitely you helping definitely your exercise. To train. It's difficult to breathe. I mean, I, I probably need to buy a better mask, but we bought these thick cotton ones that right. they're, uh, it's like suffocating. Yeah. A little bit. The, um, the Christmas thing to go back, I thought, is is one that obviously I've been musing about a little bit as we're now mid-August. Yeah. Um, I've sort of given up. There are a couple of weddings this side of Christmas, one of which has been... In fact, both of them have now been postponed, I think. But that was like... There was an October deadline. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to be back for that. That's ultimately now irrelevant because it's been pushed back. Uh, but there's one in right. January. Who knows where that's looking at this stage? But yeah. I'd still sort of had in the back of my head, oh, you know, South Australia's got it under control. New Zealand's got it under control. It's plausible I could get back for Christmas, mm-hmm. notwithstanding the whole isolation things um, on either side. But as the Melbourne one has sort of blown up again, uh, I mean, I'm hopeful that it comes under control across the next six weeks, but I still feel like there's going to be outbreaks um, within Australia and possibly a little flurry within New Zealand. Um, and that just makes getting back home pretty unlikely, I would say. And actually the one that, that sort of blindsided me the other day was KC had asked, oh, hey, did you want to do one of the New Zealand great walks over Christmas? Which is like a nice idea. Like, cool, what a cool thing to go do, you know, one of these great hikes, tramps as they call them over here. Um and you know see an amazing part of new zealand but it hadn't really registered for me that i would not be going home and so actually right. what that <laughs> suggestion was yeah. or that thought um prompted in me was like oh uh, oh yeah, yeah i'm not going to see my family for like over a year but did and he I'm not mean be it back like on that? christmas no he he totally didn't he didn't mean to trigger a a realization of that he right. was just thinking of like something we could do over summer um, instead, now, I suppose. But side question is if, you know, pandemic withstanding, would you, are you guys at a place where you might, where you would maybe bring him home for Christmas this year? Uh, we talked about it. I was hoping to. Yeah. Okay. So you're there. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, that's just not likely to happen now. Um, yeah. But that's like that was another sort of consideration, I suppose. Uh, not consideration, but like something I'd sort of had in the back of my head as something to look forward to is yeah. is getting to introduce him to people. And yeah, like you can like they know we're together and they see photos and you know families met him over Skype and that kind of thing. But it it's different to like actually getting to hang out with people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that whole Christmas hope is um fading a little bit but it's still plausible it's plausible it's still it's yeah it's it's not complete that that's not completely is not dead. completely diminished no. but uh yeah I, I imagine for you you're in the same boat probably even 
even more so than me because of the proximity to Adelaide, that um, Christmas is the one time that it's that you're guaranteed to have everyone in one place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's something that I miss every... More, I miss more and more every day that I live away from Adelaide. Yeah. Um, is uh, all of that. Well, and the other one as well is, you know, my sister's in Melbourne um, and she's yeah. yeah, she's got a good job. She'd been studying. She got a position after a placement. Um, so she's been keeping busy, but she's living by herself. She had had a oh. housemate. Someone moved out after the placement and then boom, lockdown. <laughs> And so now she is wow. in a house by herself. And that means she can go out and do the shopping and she can exercise a little bit and that sort of thing. But, like, she got caught in a situation where there is no social contact for weeks, literally oh, weeks. Man. And that's, like, that's pretty, pretty fucking rough. Um, I mean, yeah. even even for me with, you know, my boyfriend was living in a different house during our lockdown and we couldn't see each other. But I still had housemates here. I still had other people that I was, like, able to sit down at the dinner table with or have a drink with and, and yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel pretty empathetic for all the people stuck in shitty situations in Melbourne and I just hope that enough people are taking it seriously this time and the the procedures and restrictions are severe enough this time to to cut the the cases off and um, get it properly under control so everyone can get back to normal yeah uh, at least at least to some degree yeah i think uh it's really tough i mean imagine being in a in a position where you're you know you're part of the the government making the decisions where you're i mean this the second lockdown i heard cost victoria I don't know, um, maybe like over over billions of dollars, um, and you're faced with the very real possibility, and not even possibility, the real fact that this decision to lock down the city is going to fuck people's lives up. It's yeah. gonna, it's gonna business. Some businesses not gonna make it. Some people are gonna become homeless. You know, well, I think you you can't show sure. people homeless, but they—I mean, their financial, financial state's going to be ruined, yeah. and um, and yet on the other hand, you you just can't, you can't. There's nothing else you can do. Yeah, that's the thing, and and that's uh, I'm completely sympathetic to it. It's a it's a terrible situation that we found ourselves in, but the thing that has to keep being remembered is that it was, it was not a you either get COVID or you don't get COVID situation. It was a, this thing is going to hit us like a tidal wave. It's hitting us like, or like an asteroid, you know, like it's an, it's a deus ex machina that just sort of struck the world and everyone mm. is, is going to be affected by it. And the choices are only bad choices. Yeah. And the, the decision is that pragmatic sci-fi movie kind of decision-making where it's like, how do we save the most lives even if there are consequences for those choices, you know, it's, um, you face with a real utilitarian scenario. Yeah, it's true. And, and hopefully we have a society or a system which is considerate enough in, in those decisions and in their safety net so that people who are caught out, you know, the government can take on debt and can pay people a salary 
to keep them alive or keep them in homes and you know that sort of thing which is one of their duties as the government but for all of the like oh we were trying to keep the economy going kind of thing right And, and, and i don't say this with malice but like there was discussion between us in the first lockdown right about like the australian methodology of let's try and keep a few things open let's keep some of the restaurants open and the shops open hairdressers and that sort of thing versus the new zealand one which was this real aggressive kind of shutdown which of course had its own consequences for businesses and that sort of thing but it we kind of had a a, a control test, right? Where you could see these mm. two methodologies playing out. And now we're seeing potentially what the consequences of those choices were, where because Melbourne didn't quite have it all under control, didn't quite go hard enough with saying, hey, if you're a homewares store, you probably don't need to be open in person to be giving people their, you know, vases. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now everyone there has to go through a second fucking lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> a worse lockdown when everyone's already tired of it. Yeah. 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 And <clears throat> one thing I've been trying to, without a risk of sounding a little douchey here, one thing I've been trying to do lately is whenever I have started to feel um, maybe a little overwhelmed with the whole situation, which, which I feel like it's, it's like, it's just, if you feel like it's personally, I feel like it's just like looming there. And if I, if I was lazy with my, um, with checking in on my, oh, it's a, this is sounding douchey. I've become a douche in lockdown. I wasn't um, hearing douche, but go on. Um, but, uh, I've lost my train of thought here. If you're lazy uh, with checking in with your oh, right. yeah, mental yeah, yeah. health, yeah, well, lazy with lazy with um, keeping myself uh, keeping my a re- giving myself a reality check uh, every now and then, which is basically just recognizing what I'm grateful for and the um, the position that we're in. I mean, because I mean, yes, our movements are restricted here, but I lie in bed some nights and. Uh, and I'm thinking, I am like, it's fucking cold and I am, I've got like a really nice bed and it's fucking warm. And I, sometimes I feel, sometimes, I feel, this is funny. Sometimes I feel so comfortable in my bed and so cozy that I start to just, I'm like, I am so cozy. It reminds me that, that other people are not as cozy as me. And then I th- and then I'm thinking, like, people are on the street in this pandemic. Yeah. People, not only is their movement res- restricted and they have to wear masks, but there's people sleeping at Flinders Station right now in this fucking cold in a sleeping bag on the, on the ground. And here I am in my bed and I'm fucking cozy as fuck and I'm going to come back to this bed tomorrow and in a month and in two months. Yeah. And how lucky am I? Yeah. Uh, and I th- I feel like, um, and that that this is like, a, like a classic meditation trick. And I'm not I'm not necessarily doing meditation or anything, but 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 just going over your in your head before you go to sleep, what you're grateful for is a real, really I found a really good way to like keep 
keep yourself in check and uh, keep the impending um, doominess of the situation um, at arm's length. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool that you're able to see it through that lens, even though it is obviously a draining experience and a tiring experience. And I'm sure sometimes a frustrating experience where you're like, why are these fucking assholes going off and like crossing town to go and get a curry or like uh, having these parties with like 30 people turning up? Like it it must be (laughs) regularly challenging. So it's nice that even in small ways you're able to see that for what it is and to appreciate the the, the luck that you still do have. Sure. Yeah. And like, I suppose employment as well, like money coming in. Yeah. There's a lot to be grateful for and it's uh and and it's in many ways it's um honestly in many ways for me it's been a it's been a blessing. I've been able to I was just I went on a walk with my sister today and and we check in with each other quite often because we live around the corner and and every time I feel like I'm saying to her, you know, I've, I've just been able to do the things that I wasn't able to do. I have the time to do it. Hmm. Um, and I have the resources to do it right now. And, um, and you know, I've, I've not, I've not honestly not been bored. Yeah. I mean, how that's, that's the, if that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing for most people, I reckon at the moment is, is the boredom. And yeah. if you, if you can, if you can work out a way to not be bored, then You've won. Yeah. Um, should we move on to um, phase two? Yeah. Woo. You're um, you're really starting to look like Costa the Gardener now. All right. Going to Google that guy, aren't I? Costa the Gardener. Going to say, just having no idea who this is. Uh-huh. Not, not looking forward to this. <laughs> oh, my God. I do know who that is. You do though. Yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in my defence, in my defence, you can't get haircuts. Yeah. But that's, that's I didn't say it was a bad look for you. I think you've actually for, uh, ten you've actually never looked more Ukrainian. It's <sighs> you, you've very much embraced your European genetics now. I can actually. This is going to sound weird, but I legitimately can see how you're European now. <laughs> well, you know the funny thing about that is um that people think that um Ukrainians or Eastern Europeans are quite hairy. Um but in fact, I mean that's what when Dan and I went to Russia and that's what we were expecting and every every Russian is clean shaven. Yeah. Well, they don't have facial hair and they're blonde. Well, yeah. that's the men. I've um just oh sorry. Just before you get into um, Gigi. filming, um, I've stopped eating. I've stopped not eating meat. You've stopped not eating meat. That was a is weird way an, to say. Is it. there another way of phrasing that? <laughs> Started eating meat. Oh, again, yeah. So what's what's prompted this laziness, okay. mostly, um, and a little bit of like dietary boredom, just with the lockdown and stuff, like. I've been wanting, I've been, my favorite thing to cook is like a slow roasted, like pork or beef curry or chicken curry, like something you can do for hours. And you just yeah. can't do that with vegetarian uh, cuisine. And um, 
And so one day I was just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make a nice, nice slow roasted Sri Lankan black pork curry, mm. and it was so good that I had to say to Emma, I'm out. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm not doing this anymore. You um, actually broke yourself out of vegetarianism by your own cooking. Hashtag yeah. humble brag. <laughs> my, my, my meal was so amazing. I couldn't stop myself from doing it again. Yeah. Well, I yeah. appreciate your candor. Yeah. Well, she's, she, Emma's not, Emma's not thrilled about it because now I'm, now I'm like cooking for one. Mm. You know, if you'd like to time. send your um your hate mail and disappointment, please do so to uh, deepfort at gmail.com and just put the headline, Attention, Michael, you fuckwit. And um, I'll just filter that and we can pass on all your sort of disheartened <laughs> mm, disapproval, disappointment. Um, and I'll just make sure that he gets it. <laughs> yeah. And dad, if you're listening, don't email in. Are you speaking to my dad or to your dad? I'm speaking to our dad. Okay. <laughs> dad might send you an email. I've spoken to a little bit, you know. Yeah, you said that earlier. We we moved past that. Why were you talking to my dad? Because um, we're friends. Okay, well. Uh, no, I, I 100% overplayed that just to, just to see how you'd react. Okay. Um, but I emailed him about the uh, about the merch oh, yeah. stuff and then he... Uh, you know, you know, he's an easy guy to talk to. I mean, sorry, that's that's like a loaded thing to say contextually. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized it just came out. Sorry, but I mean, you know, he's kind of like I, just I find do mean it. Like he's really just like part I do of the family, mean, you know. It's like it's like look, it's like my dad. How did you get my dad's email? No, text. Okay. Okay, <laughs> that's somehow weirder. <laughs> I do believe that you actually do have my dad's phone. Number. I just saw him on Tinder. Okay, um, that doesn't even make sense. Um, it, it's got it's kind of like it's a weird thing with the like my dad is quite a hard. He was like quite a hard man to me and my brother and my sister kind of, but my cousin Dan, uh, you know, he was thought he was the coolest guy in the world and vice versa. You know, I thought Dan's dad was the coolest. And it's like this weird thing that when it's not your actual son and you don't have like an actual investment in it, um, then you you can afford to be like a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more like... You know, it's like, yeah, that's someone else's problem. Yeah. Um, so I don't really... That was kind of unnecessary to say, but I think... Yeah. You know, you know. I think that's what my dad thinks about you as well. Yeah. No, I I love that you're love someone your else's problem. I <laughs> Yeah, I wish my parents didn't think that as well though, you know. Uh Casey said that I'm mean to you on this podcast and frankly I don't see it. Really? Yeah. I'll take it. I think we have a dynamic. That's that what I said. Lends I think itself it's... to that. Yeah. I said it, you know, it's it's entertainment. Well, thank you Casey. I appreciate that. Even if I'm the ugly, I'll try and be nicer to you. Yeah. Well, no, don't. I, I, I mean, we're mean to each other. I'm, mean, I'm mean to you, just behind your back. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. See, see, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work <laughs> if we were nice to each other. You want a fight? <laughs> I want a fight. All right. Tell me about your, uh, your, your, you. 
Let me let me rephrase that again. Tell me about you following your dreams. <laughs> wow, that's a big framing. Um, you are. You are. Yeah. No. Look. Look. I'll take it. Um, it was really great. There's cool. also so much to and talk now about. Now for weird news. Yes. <laughs> There is so much to talk about here, so maybe I'll like give a little bit of sort of an overview, and then I like so I'm just not rambling and not talking about myself on end. Maybe you like ask I'll ch- questions. I'll chime in yeah. so it doesn't make you look like an ego might the egomanic that you are. Okay, thank you. If we can okay. hide that, and I'll try yeah. and fix it in the edit as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, about a month ago, uh, I went up to Auckland for a weekend, which was for the read-through of our show. We had just cast our three... So so I, I wrote the show with two of my friends, even Grace. Um, they were also going to be the stars of the show. They are sisters in real life, and they're playing sisters on the show. It was a cool um, premise about two sisters who inherit a funeral home from their grandfather and, and need to work out what to do with it. And... Um, we cast the three other main sort of recurring roles and read through all six scripts with them and the network was there and we sort of, for the first time, saw it become real. One week later, I flew up to Auckland again to stay there for three weeks as we shot the thing. Um, We'd been funded to create six 15-minute episodes for TVNZ On Demand. That's a streaming platform here in New Zealand. Um, so we were making 90 minutes, effectively a feature film. We we're shooting 90 minutes worth of TV in 13 shoot days. Um, so it was two Monday to Friday weeks and then a Monday to Wednesday um, in which we were, were shooting all 90. So a fairly fast schedule. Um, we were based primarily at a community home that was our stand-in for a bit of a rundown old funeral parlour. Um, but then as time went on and we started to get more of the um, stuff in the can, the locations shifted to some of the other places we're going to, like people's houses or the chapel, which in the universe of the show is connected to our um, funeral home, but which in practical terms was on the other side of Auckland. Um, And then things like decor stores and exterior shoots and all this kind of thing before ending up back there at the community home again on the final day to shoot what was morgue scenes and um, and deceased body kind of um, things, which was the final day. Um, and it was just like an incredible thrill. We had such an amazing team of people, a team of people that w- seemed truly enthusiastic to be there, who seemed really appreciative um, of the group of people, which I didn't have any real control over, but which our production company had pulled together. And people were really excited to be there. They were working with good people. Everyone was lovely. And they were telling me sort of by the end of it, like, oh, don't get used to this because most TV sets aren't like this. And that felt like a real nice sort of compliment as like to the... What? as in friendly, supportive, a good bunch of people who are working hard, who are invested in what they're making. You know, who was I, telling I, you that? Members of the crew were, seemed to be like really appreciative of this set 
um, because right. I gather it doesn't always have to be that way. And that's that's sort of a testament to our production company. And I felt proud to be even minorly associated with that. Um, so that was, yeah, a really sort of satisfying experience, uh, but also a long one. It was, so uh, Eve, who I wrote the show with, um, and I are based in Christchurch. And so we went up to Auckland and were crashing in a terrible Airbnb for <laughs> that time. And um, we had one rental car that we would use to get to set every day. And it was also the picture car for one of our characters on the show. So it was also the one that was seen on screen. Um, and because we only had the one and Eve was in so many of the scenes, she often had to be on set before 6am or earlier um, to get into makeup and wardrobe and start getting ready because they'll start shooting from like 6.37 in the morning. Um, and so that meant that I, with no other way to get into set, were also going into um onto location at like waking up at five or earlier and and heading in and then they would be on set for like 12 hours so you'd be there sort of from 6 to 6 p.m um and they'd you know it's quite a pace of things to go through so it was i mean i and i was just there just to sort of watch and to take it all in to, to learn how people make tv let alone you know, like I didn't really have much to do other than the occasional sort of writing um, input, but there are people who are doing those kind of hours and actually <laughs> having to work. So, so was... this is uh, this is last week, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think we should. I think we should say that. So this was yeah. This was um, uh, this finished. Our last shoot day was oh, basically a week ago from when we're recording this. Um. And yeah, so a fairly intensive sort of 65, 70 hour week, which like uh, compared to some of the other members of the crew, that was pretty small. Like there were those who got there earlier and left later. Um, So yeah, I just have a huge appreciation for the amount of work that goes into all these things, the amount of thought and the number of people with very specific focuses who, you know, are required to make a show like this come to pass and uh, yeah by the end of it I was just yeah feeling very um, thrilled a with what we produced and, and proud um, but also like I'd learned so much about how it gets done and, and in doing so uh, came to appreciate the team of people that had been really doing above and beyond sort of work for what was effectively a very low budget streaming series. It's kind of crazy, right, that you, that this kind of experience is basically um, worked up to, I mean, you worked up to this, I mean, and by worked up to, I mean, like, the experience of being on set, like, you hear these stories from, like, Bill Hader and stuff being, like, um, production assistants, assistants or whatever, um, and then they, they've gained experience that you've like the experience that you had is something that you made and the experience you're having being on set and, and having that, um, having that experience is something it's because of something that you made, which is yeah. crazy. 
Yeah, it's like weird. You're uh, like you're like at the you're like at the top of the call sheet there, where you're wow. not like even like it. You're not even just some lackey boy. You're, yeah, you're like you're one of the guys. Oh, it's yeah. I was like, it was weird because I was sort of interning on my own show. Really, right. <laughs> like I didn't have major responsibilities. Like I did little bits and pieces, as I said. There'd be writer questions or series questions. Sometimes, if you didn't have time to film a scene one day and you had to reschedule it for another day then we'd have to rewrite that scene because some actors weren't available on the new day that they had in the scene so you have to like write them out in a way that still gets the point of the scene across right so that kind of stuff I did have you know minor occasions to help with and you know holding things and just being helpful where I could and staying out of people's way for as much as the rest of the time um but like that was we had people one one of the cool things about this production as well was that it was really giving people opportunities um whether it was their first time in a role like they might have been doing one position before and they got an opportunity to step up into a newer role or even people who were um not involved with the production but were interested in learning how a job happens or shadowing a director or um, that sort of thing were allowed onto the set to to watch the process and to learn from it sort of like I was Mm. Um, so it was interesting to think that despite yeah quote-unquote co-creating the show and and having some part in it existing my (laughs) position on the set was as you say basically just interning there being a guy that got to stand back and watch how people did their jobs um mm-hmm. it was it's a, a little bit of a dichotomy i suppose so you 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 told me a little bit uh off air that there were, you found yourself in a position of power and there were a few people that uh you know kind of gravitated towards that a little bit yeah and you were well it, it was just weird because so we had extras on the production right like so we're a show that's set in funerals um at funeral homes in the funeral industry and so anytime you have a funeral on screen you need to have mourners right you need to have people actually <laughs> showing up to these things unless it's like a deliberate plot point that they don't or something but yeah that like extras are expensive extras are you, you need to pay them or at least give them some How kind expensive? of compensation. I don't know the specific number, but I know it's something, but it it was actually prohibitive to have more than like seven extras because it, it got so <laughs> expensive on a production oh. where we only had half a million dollars. And I know, yes, half a million dollars is a lot of money, but in terms of making television, uh, those costs need to be very carefully considered. Yeah. Uh, and so... Like we were roping in crew and stuff to be like <laughs> extras in the chapel Did you scenes in and there? that stuff. I can neither confirm nor deny. That's a yes, baby. That's a yes. yes yeah, my I boy. Did. I'm yeah. in there. I know you're pressuring me. I was I like, was. oh, Mike will be disappointed if I don't squeeze in. Yeah. Um, I'm such a good agent. You're a great agent. <laughs> um, and so, in um, in this uh, sort of situation where we're having like extras on screen. Um, there's a lot of hanging around like that's one of those things that it's not new news to anyone who's paid half a 
attention to, you know, cast interviews or um, Hollywood behind the scenes kind of discussions or directors commentaries. But there's a lot of like it takes a lot longer to make it to shoot a scene of TV with a single camera or, or um, uh, than you'd necessarily expect based solely on that running time because you set up a room, you you run the scene and the camera's pointed at cast member A and then you might do a couple of takes at that and then you want to see who they're talking to and so you have to move all the camera, all the lights, check that the new angle, everything in the back of shot looks nice, there's no crew or gear or anything like that. You might have to adjust the lighting such that it maintains the same kind of daylight because in the hour that you've been shooting now the lights changed mm. through the windows and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then you, you set said it up you had and a consistency, like someone who, whose job it was to specifically look out for consistencies. Yeah, continuity, which, which I um, found fascinating. Yeah, and we can talk about that in a sec, but I don't want them to lose the train of thought about the extras. Sure, sorry, sorry. But yeah, the um, so anyway, it's a long process, and as a result, you're, you're having these people standing around, and I was standing around in the back of shot as well because I'd been roped in to be a body, and. You know, most of these people are really interesting kind of um, people who are doing you a service by, you know, coming to be part of a show for you. And, and yes, they're getting a bit of compensation, but it's also, like I said, they're, they're working. They're doing some work. And um, there were a ton of them which were lovely um, and really enthusiastic. We had some amazing people. One of our um, actors or extras who was playing one of the deceased was like a 75 year old guy and he was like a total champion like absolutely the coolest dude and because when you think about it like so he had to be in a coffin they had to go and take him off to like a prop store and do coffin fittings so that the person that we cast has a coffin that they can fit in right because you don't want to get there on the day and be like oh shit he's too tall for it wow Um, so you're asking like a 75 year old man to come along to a warehouse and line some coffins for a while and find one yeah. of the suits. And then, you know, we're putting him in a, in a morgue set and like, and he's like, do I get to keep this? <laughs> like legitimately, some people would be like, this is a little too close to comfort, but yeah. like he was lovely and, and enjoyed it. And, and like all the makeup and crew and everyone like, fell in love with him so like some truly awesome people um Mm. being part of it but there were definitely other sort of extras who were much more uh, motivated by the idea of becoming a hollywood actor and yeah that's not so much a path that that people can necessarily get to from our production so Um, can you can you can you take us through one of uh one of those well yeah so encounters? so i was standing around in this room you know and at a certain point you know just kind of chatting with the cast in between setups and um and, and grace had had said like oh just wanted known for the record that this is nick's worst nightmare and he didn't want to do this <laughs> and i was like okay slight slight exaggeration but fine and then the extras all turned to me like oh do you know do you know grace how are you doing why are you here? If you don't want to do this, because like they'd all been enlisted to be extras, yeah. and they, you know, opted into this thing. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm so I'm actually one of the writers, and I just kind of got roped into this because we needed more people. 
And one guy in particular just sort of instantly was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be an actor in Hollywood and I've, you know, been practicing my monologues and, you know, you can get me there and, um, you know, it'll be, um, you know, like I'm going to do it without an agent. I'm going to do it all off my own back. And I was like, oh, I, yeah, I really, I'm not in control of any of this. I didn't cast the background actors (laughs) in this and I didn't even really cast the cast in this and I don't know anyone in Hollywood and I don't know why you would think that this is <laughs> the conversation that you should have with me because I do not have any uh, oh need for hearing your monologues. That is that is both like the cringe that is like so cringy to me, but also such a fantasy of mine. And this probably does not speak well to my character <laughs> that I would love to be in the position where someone was groveling to me like that. And someone was was just like, I'm in love with this idea. I would, I would, I would just, my instinct, I think, would be to fuck with them. Did you have any of that impulse at all? Just to be like, I actually know, you know, um, it was, it was just a little bit, um, it was a little bit more than I was really prepared for because it just took me by surprise because I obviously don't think of myself as having any kind of, like control over that and that's so outside of the podcast you don't feel like you have any control you're trying to say something yeah you're trying to make a point yeah i'm trying to make a fucking point okay well i guess you've correctly identified that this is my one outlet to feel like i have a handle on the world (laughs) so i'm sorry if it means that i'm mean to you and tell you what you can and can't say look nick hurt people hurt people (laughs) Um, so uh, a question, uh, something I always wonder when I'm looking, when I'm watching a TV show or a movie is the disconnect that happens, um, between, okay. So you've got a good script, um, and you've got a good cast and whatever, but there's something funny that happens in between where, Actors, you could have like Christian Bale sign on to a movie that has a really good script, and then the movie, for whatever reason, for the directing or whatever, it uh, it turns out poorly. So I'm wondering what what insight do you have after filming your show, uh, if any? Do you have between um, having the script and and the end product and seeing the dailies and and having a sense of how it's actually going to turn out in terms of the tone and how it could potentially be received. What a good question. Dude. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a good question. I was about to give it to you, but then you preempted me giving you a compliment with your own compliment and that's made it less impactful. Um, but <laughs> it, it is a good question. Uh, the, the truthful answer is I don't know yet whether or not it worked because I haven't seen final products of you know, what our edits were. So I'm not far enough through the process to be able to look at the final thing and be like, yeah, we, we did it. Or no, we didn't do it. Um, which, you know, it is still ongoing. I could hazard a guess as to some of the reasons why a thing might happen, uh, or why a product that you start with is not the product that you end up with. Some of that, some of that might be, uh, budgetary or, um, time pressures so if you don't have the money to do a thing properly like if you're and this isn't going to be a problem for us i don't think but if you've 
only got the budget to have seven extras and you have to right. reuse them across different funerals and that sort of thing, then you're not going to get the same scale or same impact of a funeral, say, that you could if you had, you know, a million dollars an episode and you could fill up a chapel. There's right. also timing things like that as well, where time is money. You can't add another shoot day without it costing another day's pay for all of your crew. So if something takes longer to film than you expected, then you might not be able to get all the coverage on it. You might not be able to do enough takes to let the actor deliver something, like really get into the zone and and, and uh, give an emotional performance, say, if they've only got an hour and a half to do it. Um, th- right. These are hypotheticals. I'm not drawing on specific good grief sure. examples here. But I could imagine how, like, okay, fuck, we... Um, we don't have enough time to fully get all the coverage of the scene. So we'll have to make do with the couple angles we have in the light or in the location before we have to keep moving. Um, then there could also be things where it's like the vision being communicated and, and worked on in sync among the crew, right? Like our team was all very much sort of on the same page from the director down as to what they were going for so that helps you if you have a shorthand between all the crew but also to you know uh, make sure that uh, uh, there's a consistency in that everyone is pulling in the same direction together but if you had say a more problematic director like if you had a um, uh, Brian Michael Singer, Bay. no, I'll, I'll, Michael Bay, by all accounts, is a terrific director. But um, Mike, as in as a person and and producing director, um, uh, if you have something where the director is trying to make one thing, but he's like, you know, off his face on drugs, and then like the studio has to step in and is trying to pull the film in a different direction, then mm. you've got a competing vision or a um, a conflict between you know different units of the thing then you might end up with a product which is torn between two identities or two voices um, in a way that does a disservice to either interpretation Um, and then uh, so budget time money vision I suppose the other thing is is potentially outside influence where if um, a studio or something was trying to make the bigger picture marketable mainstream version of a thing and the inclination of the script or the director was a smaller or more indie or more abstract or avant-garde film, avant-garde film, then you might find that because even if all the crew and everyone on the production was working in the same direction that you then have an edit that is pulled together or, or retoned, uh, like toned with or meddled by an external influencer to then create right. something which was different to what it was intended to be. Right. So that's just, so a, do you yeah, think that, do you a have hypotheticals? A, do you think that, um, that good grief, the crew that you have in good grief, the good grief and the control that you have over it is, um, it's kind of safe from, from those factors. Yeah, I mean, it felt like in the moment, at least, that... Like, do you think that you'll be able to make... Well, I'm not sure how much um, control you have over the edit and or whatever, piecing it together, but do you feel like, as a crew, you have uh, enough control over the project that you can 
um, may, it will come out how you want it to come out. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing because at this phase, it was no longer just ours, right? Even in the that's proposal... That's weird though, isn't it? It, it should is... be yours. It should, be, it should still be yours. Well, it, it's always going to be somewhat still ours, but it... Like, but don't if you feel you're like employing... you should have some... Edit as over some control over the editing pro. I like. I just feel like that. I have no idea how this works. I just feel like you, like ethically, you should have some. You met. You wrote the thing. You should. You should have some say over how it's. Yeah, and we'll still be. We'll still be credited as creators and writers on the thing, but this is part of the thing of making an art with people is that it becomes more than just ours. That's. What you need in order to make a thing, right? Unless it's something like music, where you can be the entire person from top to bottom of a thing, and even then, you probably mm-hmm. still need to hand it over to a, you know, an audio engineer at some point, or a marketing department, or a, get a photographer in to take a photo for the cover and that kind of thing. Like part of the deal of, I wrote a thing that as a writer you need to surrender. Accept is you will have to surrender it to other people if you want it to be not just words. And, you yeah. know, for sure, like there are, there was, you know, when you're on set, when I was on set, part of that process was coming to terms with like, this isn't actually something I get a say in. Um, right. Not that I was trying to actively meddle in things, but like you have brought on a team of people who are excellent at their jobs and you have to trust in them. And sure. that's part of their creative authority is to make decisions in those areas. And at some point it'll end up back, you know, in our laps again, and I will get to see the edits and, and have some feedback on that as will the network and others. But in this process, you know, I don't get to tell an actor how to sell their, say their lines. You know, I don't get to sure. tell the, um, you know, director that we need to get more coverage of, this character or something you know (laughs) like you kind of have to be okay with letting it go which is definitely don't get me wrong it's like a weird feeling because for so long it was an us project and us was three people yeah and And now now it was like 40 people (laughs) i i think i had i had like a similar feeling um doing like brokers when when i was when i was writing the songs like having you know, an idea of what like a melody might be or a, what a drum beat might be, but then your vision of the song, uh, when 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 Ben comes up with a, a completely different drum beat than I had imagined, that's kind of like the beauty of of art is is the collaborative when it when it is collaborative. It's yeah. like all these different, you can have like a, a strong vision of what you want in the first place, but art's kind of beautiful when it's uh, kind of melded together with other people's interpretations. And if it was just your vision from start to finish, it might, I mean, it, that has every chance of, you know, being, you know, a flop or whatever. Yeah, just because you're, I mean, you're, so, this, you're not willing to let people in. This was, you know, already one of those sort of things that when we started this project, we were writing it as three people as well, right? Like I'm a writer who'd only ever written stuff singly 
and mm. now it's like okay there's two other voices in this thing and that was part of that process is oh, right, realizing yeah. okay well, there's there's two other people here and they have ideas about the characters and they have ideas about how the story should finish and what the dialogue should be and that's mm. in itself was its own thing of like okay now it's not just my word literally i suppose um but i, I you have to accept the input and and rely upon your co-creators and co-writers as well and the reason that this show was what it was was entirely because it was the three of us writing it and like i know that there are jokes and there are things that happen in this show structurally and character wise that are entirely the result of working with two women on this project as well and i just couldn't i couldn't have made this show I, I literally by myself could not have made this show. So I had That's already cool. sort of come to that understanding in the writing phase. And it was just, it was the next step of that was having to then accept it in the production phase as well, where it's like, okay, I'm literally here to watch and try and stay out of people's way. And and tr- you have to trust that everyone else is doing their work and of course they were and of course it was terrific um and like i i feel very sincerely that our show is going to bat above its budget in the sense that i feel like it will look better hit harder um you know be more impressive than you would expect for a 500 grand budget um, I just, That's cool. I kn- I've seen the dailies come through. We were shooting with a camera that we, by all accounts, should not have had access to, which was the um, Sony, camera. the Sony Venice, uh, which James Cameron is using on Avatars two through five currently. Um, mm. And we were shooting like a six K on this incredible like Leica lenses, and um, yeah, just like technically. It looks so fucking shit hot that it just kind of blew my mind every time I was watching on the monitors. That's amazing, um, dude. That's so cool. I just, I am already confident. If none of the show works whatsoever, I am, I can at least tick the box knowing that it does not look like a YouTube video. It looks like a fucking good 90 minutes worth of film quality or prestige TV quality series. And for everything else, you know, that, that happened. And that is entirely due to the directors and, you know, camera team and director of photography who you let do their work, right? Like I didn't have any control over them or say over them. So that's, again, the benefits of the collaborative process is we have this shit hot looking show because people got to do their work. That's awesome, man! I can't, I I literally cannot wait to see that. Yeah, I cannot I, wait, dude. Our time frame, like after all this process, we started writing this series in twenty seventeen, end of twenty seventeen. Been two and a half years to get to this point where we were in production, and now yeah. we're on this home stretch where it is the the downslope. It's post production. You know, we're in edits. I'll be seeing tomorrow probably the rough cuts mm. of the first three episodes. Um, you know, it's tomorrow. It's, tomorrow, yeah. What? That's gonna be exciting. So, we're in we're in a zone now where the thing exists. It has been filmed. It is a real product. After yeah. 
years of development and now it really won't be too long before we can you know get a trailer together and i can send to you here's the thing that i made you know oh my god dude oh my god I had this. I had this oh, thought. Okay, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go on. I, you go. I, no, you no. Go. I just remembered that I had like little notes here of of things that I wanted to talk about. But go ahead. Okay, mine's a little bit of a tangent, but it's kind of okay. a bridger. So, do you want to go? Okay, I'll go. Um, there was one other thing which I'll just quickly throw in, which was one of the most unexpected delights um, mm. of this process was getting to in real time witness and be part of the blooper reel moments. Oh, like I fucking cool. love, I love, you know, you watch those parks and rec moments or like um, the, I don't know, the Brooklyn's or the whatever where, or yep. the office where, you know, they're off on this riff and someone's like gone off on a tangent and, or it's like cracking up one of the other cast members, but they're trying to keep it together and everyone is sort of like got this like inhale of breath because they're like just trying to just hold it until someone says cut and like keep <laughs> keep it together. Like all of the crew would be like deadly silent, trying their best not to lose their shit. And Love then a bloop. and then it like it breaks and everyone just like cracks up laughing and like uh, there's this sort of release of you know, energy and laughter and enthusiasm and everything. And it is one of the most satisfying things to be part of or to witness is not just up close seeing those moments like play out with funny people, but occasionally, very occasionally to be like, we scripted this thing and it is breaking people and people can't, can't get through this scene or can't, deliver this stuff without ruining someone else and that was like one of our jokes right like it's just like the most ridiculous like combination of silly giddy euphoria and ego trip and like tv fanatic like behind the scenes um kind of experience and like yeah just getting to like are you gonna enjoy uh probably not leave does it fit the tone no, it doesn't fit the tone, but I there will definitely there's got to be a collection of some fun stuff there which we can. I don't know. I, I'll at least get to see them. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So real world bloopers just as good, if not better, than the ones you see cut together. I love a real world bloop. Um, I was going to ask. I had this thought. Um, and so I'm wondering if this is maybe a consideration that you had that, um, with the world basically, uh, being ring and not reinvented, but, um, reprogrammed, I don't know what the word is, um, redesigned in the last six months with the pandemic Yeah, that, I mean, we're seeing all these shows and movies, Netflix is still dropping shows. There's still dropping movies, but we're seeing all these people, all these shows filmed before the pandemic. Yeah. So I thought the other day, are we going to get to a point where we're seeing people on screen interact, see strangers come up and hug 
or handshake where it's going to be kind of unrelatable. Yeah. That we're going to see people on screen not addressing a pandemic and the art that's coming, uh, the art that's being produced is actually not reflecting that. So it's actually not going to be that relatable. I think I think it's definitely likely, if not already happening. I mean, there are series that are still debuting, as you said, that were filmed last year and in post-production since the pandemic. And, you know, any sort of crowd scene or like walking down the street and not seeing people in masks or that kind of thing. It's, I think people will definitely f- notice that. We had a bit of an yeah. intellectual exercise to work out whether in our most recent rewrites, which were during and after lockdown, whether we needed to incorporate COVID into our show, right? Yeah. COVID I mean, did you? was literally about death and it was affecting the funeral industry. People couldn't go to funerals because they couldn't wow, congregate. Yeah. There was like narrative opportunities there. But totally. it was such a it's such a weird one. A because is it mm. a too soon thing? B if you're so sick of COVID, 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 do you want to watch a show which is already somewhat taboo, somewhat intense by being about death and the funeral industry? Do you also then want it to be about the thing that you're trying to escape? And if we did it, could you do it as a throwaway? Could you set it in the past? Well, that sort of feels disingenuous. You can't just sort of like make a rough allusion to it and then keep on as scripted you'd kind of have to redo so much narratively about you know how we'd gotten to this place and it just became this big there was just a lot of reasons not to do it and not many compelling ones to do it Mm. at least at that point in that season if we were lucky enough to get a second season then i think we'd be starting from fresh again and we might have the opportunity to work out a way to handle it but yeah, I guess yeah. it's different in New Zealand as well. Exactly, um, because this, because the situation is not so dire. But it's it's going to be interesting because we're going to see we're going to we're going to see this wave of art, movies, uh, TV shows, maybe even music that's going to come probably in six months because it's being produced now of art that's actually really addressing. Uh, the pandemic and yeah. adapting to the pandemic and um, reflecting people's situations in the pandemic. So we're going to get this whole wave of new art. But the, the interesting, I mean, that might be true of something like music, but it won't be true practically of something like American TV or even British TV. You just simply won't be able to produce that art because of the very subject of it, right? Like, Well, you that's can't... the thing. How do you make a movie about COVID until it's fixed, right? It's, Mm. yeah, I agree with it when it comes to like painting or, you know, visual arts or music and that kind of stuff. There's a bit more thing, but. Yeah, but what people are, are, I mean, the music, when I said suggested music, that was a a throwaway. Yeah. Like what what are people going to write a song about the pandemic? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I felt like TV and movies. That's where it's that's where you should be seeing it reflected. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, we have an opportunity in New Zealand to film things in close proximity to be confident that there's been no community transmission for a hundred days in New Zealand. So it's not out and about. 
weekend film things where we can have extras in a chapel and all of our crew can pile into the pews to fill it out and there can be 50 people in a, in a little chapel. And that's one of the few places in the world where that's possible. So in the end, it felt like to then script in COVID again meant that you're not taking advantage of the opportunity you have because the rest of the world now can't do crowd scenes and can't do anything. So yeah. let's make a show that I don't actually even know the answer of when it's set now because it's kind of, it's a modern day show, but I don't know if it's like pre-pandemic. I don't know if it's alternate timeline where there was just never a pandemic, <laughs> but right. I mean, I, yeah. I'm almost tempted by that idea. Um, mm. It, yeah, it's an interesting kind of wrinkle in our creative um, concept, I suppose. Yeah. Well, um, so when what's the timeline of um, uh, now to finished product? Mm, I don't know the, the specifics, um, but I think that we need to deliver the finished product this year. And then beyond that, it's sort of up to the network as to when it gets aired. Um, but even so, I feel like we're you know we're closing in now on on a a point in which uh, this thing is going to be out there and it's going to be real and and hopefully once we get our cuts done and semi finalized, we can start to go to places like Australia and and hopefully find someone interested over there to pick it up as well, so that you guys can all watch it legit um, there too. Cool. Well, that's enough about me. Um, if you've enjoyed that and want to hear more about me then you can find all our um, past history on your podcast app and at deepfort.podbean.com don't listen to the audio there on deepfort.podbean.com though that's just that's it's an inelegant way of doing it make sure you use a podcast player use your apple podcast use your google podcasts use overcast use it like a real podcast not none of this web streaming shit on the website um you can also find uh photos and posts and interesting thoughts at facebook uh the deep fort uh, page there has lots of entertainment uh the instagram.com um well not com just instagram um deep fort uh which does not have any evidence that michael does any workouts uh there is a twitter if you want to get notified when things come up you can send your questions and uh enthusiasms to deepfort at gmail.com and if you're on the internet and you see an opportunity to rate us give us the old five stars it does help um and that is that. Why do you say notified? You say notified. It's so weird. What do you mean? You say notified. Yeah. What the fuck is your problem? What do you mean? What's the alternative? Notified. It's obviously notified. It's not obviously notified. Notified. What are You're you saying it more... Queen Elizabeth? The You're... You wanted to be notified. It's notified. You ha- clearly notified. Notified. It's much more British. You... you sound like Ricky yeah. Gervais. Notified. Not... Yeah. Oh, I heard that we'd been notified. You, you Clearly yours is the more Ponzi British. I can't notified. believe that that's your angle with this. Notified. I think notified is more acceptable. I disagree. Notified uh, Send in your thoughts and weird. comments to uh, Facebook and uh, or yeah send us an instagram message and we'll let you know what the results are about notified versus notified um <laughs> and uh yes mm. outros got so some bits and pieces quickly, 
Um, one thing I was I had written down and that I didn't um, say at the top is that I just wanted to say um, that a lot of people actually, uh, and mostly people that listen to Deep Fort, um, reached out and me- messaged me personally um, when the Victorian lockdown happened again. Um, so I just wanted to say that I really appreciated that a lot. Um, uh, and yeah, it made me, you know, it's, it's nice that it's always, it's nice that people are listening in the first place. And it's nice that people, I mean, they're mostly people that, that we know, but it's, it's, you know, it makes it, it makes me feel like it's, uh, it makes, it feels cozy, um, when people specifically reach out and, and it was like, this was like seven people that wow. personally messaged me and said, I hope you're doing okay in lockdown. So that was one thing. The other thing was um, the merch is out now. Um, merch is out. So You're rocking mugs. your Deep Fort t-shirt right now. Rocking it right now. Um, I think everyone's got their merch. It was kind of, it's a stupid idea and it's a great idea in terms of marketing <laughs> um, in the first place because basically we've given merch to, we've given a mug to everyone that listens to the podcast, but <laughs> I hope you I have think... because now you've now you've really stitched yourself up. If you if you haven't got a mug well, right now, then that's thing. because if you're you... not a good enough listener. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, here's Quote the Mark test. Here's the test. If you if you didn't if you didn't get a mug and you feel like you should, send us an email. Uh-huh. Um, because if you've gotten this far in the podcast, yeah, you probably deserve one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But we're sold out. I mean, you, it's easy to sell out when you give it away and you've only got 10 <laughs> listeners. Um, but, but Huge demand. We sold out. Huge demand for the cups that we gave to people. Huge demand. <laughs> We've completely sold. I have literally none left, but, um, you know, who knows with Nick's... Uh, with next show, might get a yeah, get yeah, a little, little dose of in, <laughs> investment. <laughs> so, if you're a if you're a good grief fan and you're retroactively listening to all the Deep Fog podcasts because you uh-huh. looked Nick up uh-huh. and um, you discovered that he had a podcast, and now you're working your way back through yeah. the back catalogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, send us an email and um, for you know. A price that we will negotiate over email. Oh, we'll send you a mug. <laughs> so wait, these people have to pay for it. <laughs> We're gonna make yeah. These the new people gotta, have to pay for it. People. We're gonna make money back on the last round of money. <laughs> yeah, which you very generously just paid right out of pocket. Uh, Look, I've, but I've I've been drinking a lot, uh-huh. and I've had a lot of ideas. Um, usually after midnight. Uh-huh. That um, I've been very enthusiastic about, and you know, I like can the I project. S- can I say sincerely, new mugs, very nice, and thank you to Sean for helping They're you good. with cutting out the um, the image so it fits nicely on it. The um, yeah, he, he got his mug the other day. It's got a lovely blue good. interior, and he was fucking on board with it. He said, "Quote: yeah, The dude. blue makes this mug." He was he Fuck, was very enthused yes. by that choice. Can I just say something about little old Sean there? Uh-huh. I've never met Sean. Uh-huh. However, I've met you. Okay. And and I I gather I 
if if I if I saw saw Sean walking down the street, I wouldn't recognize him. That's how much I don't know him. I've never met him. <laughs> However, that guy is so fucking cool to me. Like he he hits me up in like at the most at weird points in time. You know, I I I sent him a happy birthday. I sent him the weirdest happy birthday message the other day that I could possibly oh, muster. God. Um, <laughs> And he was so receptive to it, and you know, I asked him. I I, I asked him about. I asked him for the uh, Deep Fort logo without the thing, and I said, "We'll send you a mug." And he was so on board. And I just, uh, you know, for some for a guy that I've never met, um, you know, I just uh, I really love that guy. Uh, yeah, I really want to meet him, or maybe I don't. You don't want to meet your heroes. Oh, do you? his ears oh, will be that's burning. Too far. Um, which and for him is a ears, huge. <laughs> I do know that. But <laughs> uh, as a joke for three of us, maybe four of us. But fuck, that's so funny that you weren't there, dude. <laughs> uh, sorry, Sean. We love you. You're leaving uh, that in. That's right? so brilliant. Yeah, that's staying in. Uh, um. Cool. So, so uh, does Obama, by the way. Say what? So does Obama. So does Obama. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think he's probably feeling a lot happier now. Um, uh, I, I had one little story to wrap up with, which is uh, a, a different tone. Um, but, you know, let's just fucking do it. Um, so uh i spent the better part of three weeks up in auckland a bit over three weeks um with the read through and then some time back in christchurch and then up for two and a half weeks of the shoot and then at the end of that wednesday um was the rap and the rap party that night and then on the thursday morning kc my boyfriend came up from christchurch and we went off to do a road trip and we um, mm. used Auckland as our base, grabbed a rental car and, and head up to the top of the Cape of, um, yeah, top of the North Island and um, back down again across four days. It was lovely. Like I'd done that route before. He hadn't. Um, getting to see some amazing scenery, some really cool places, uh, the Kauri Forests, the Tapaki Sand Dunes, the Cape Ranga Lighthouse, the... Yeah, there's a bunch of amazing stuff in Northland. And then on the last day, on the way back down to Auckland, uh, we nearly died because we were... What? We were in our car and we nearly got into a head-on collision. Um, We were driving through a a town on the way back between Dargaville and Auckland and we came down this sort of slight incline in through a city, like it, it was a town. It was pretty small through a town center. We were going about, you know, thirty k's an hour. Well, we we're probably got starting at fifty k's an hour, and the the road mm. declined and then it curved a little bit to go over what was a small two lane bridge, and then back up the other side right. and on into the um, the main street. And as we came down this. Um, this little incline, you know, everything absolutely normal. Um, we were at the speed limit. And Who was driving? KC was driving. And 
Okay. Then <laughs> up ahead. Can I make the joke? Don't make no. the joke. Because um, <laughs> he literally saved our lives. Um, okay. The uh, In the lane ahead of us, driving straight at us, was another car. They were in their right-hand lane, our left-hand lane, and they were literally... They were in your lane. They were in our lane, tearing towards us at 50 k's an hour, directly at us. Um, And it was so quick, but Casey reacted. He swerved off, like, towards the curb, screeched his brakes to come to a stop, and luckily the driver coming the other way pulled himself back into the correct lane and sped off past us, and we just sort of like what was he froze. doing? Well, that's that was the immediate question. But like, sincerely, Wait, so if Casey hadn't Casey hadn't reacted, we would have completely head on collision with this thing, and like, legitimately, it would have been fucking disastrous. Oh my God! Wait, so this guy was just what was he doing? Just having a fucking so, cruise so, on the other lane? He's just like, I want to see yeah. what the other side of the road feels like. It wasn't like he drifted over the line. Honey, he was this like, is how they drive in America. Well, that's that was one of the <laughs> thoughts, right? Like he was legitimately in our lane, not like crossed over the middle, not whatever. He was a hundred percent like he was driving directly between the lines towards us. And so Casey had thought, like clearly he was a foreigner. He'd pulled out of a parking lot or whatever, forgotten that he needs to be on the other side wow. and had been like stuck there until he realized, oh shit, and pulled out of the way. I don't know if that's the case. I wondered if it was like a micro sleep, whether he'd nodded off. I wondered whether he was distracted. He Did was on see, his phone. Was there a passenger? In I his, don't, in the other I car? think he was by himself. But this guy, oh. I mean, not only completely endangering our lives, very lucky yeah. that Casey was so in control to, to stop the car and get us out safely, but... He didn't fucking stop. He just kept driving. So, like, we're we're frozen oh. there, like stuck in the in the middle of the road. Like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? I turn around to look at it, and like, I watch this guy speed off, but I'm not thinking close, like, clearly enough to be like, take a photo of the numbers plate, you know, like, try and remember anything about it. I'm just like, holy shit, we nearly right. died. Um, and wow. this guy just drives off. No, doesn't even stop. And I'm like, you literally nearly killed all of us. Why? Wait, so, so when you guys almost connected, like the uh-huh. two cars almost connected. Yeah. And he goes you like guys, that. And he just sped and up. And you guys pull over. You're like, <laughs> yeah. and, and he, you're like, we're stopping because this was a moment. That was. And the other guy stops for a, a, a second and then just like, well, no, nothing happens. Doesn't, so doesn't guess, stop. I'll just. Think about this later. Doesn't stop. Shit. Just just swerves back into the lane and keeps driving. Doesn't pause. Doesn't even stop at all. Well, at least he swerved back into the lane. Well, yeah. But like, <laughs> so after Shit, a moment, man. we're like, fuck, did you, did you see, like, did you get the number plate or anything? And I was like, oh, no, not really. So we actually did a Yui to try and like what, see what if he'd pulled, we'll see if he'd pulled over like further up the road. Um, but but what, what were you going to do with the number plate? You're going to say, hey... Fucking report him to the cops. This... What? And say, this guy... What are they going to do? Like, what proof do they have? Well, there is an actual... Um, there's a thing called Star Triple Five, I think, in, in New Zealand, which is literally a, report co- a community driving. reporting of bad drivers. Um, but is it... Like, and if it goes you through the police. Someone, it's like, that's fine. That's, 
They'll yeah. just be like, okay, you someone reported you for bad driving, so here's a fine. Yeah. So it. What? It, if you call Star Triple Five, you report a road in- incident that's urgent but not life threatening. So non-injury crashes, traffic congestion, breakdowns, obstructions. Um, it goes to police communications center, but it's not as important, like not given the priority that a triple one, like an emergency call would get. Um, but they're like, that, that person will be contacted and you don't actually need video or photo evidence. Um, so oh, they'll be contact. Yeah. They'll get for like road watch, which it's like, you don't want the person to be prosecuted. They, um, they would just send them a, a contact and warn yeah. them. But if, if you do report something that's unsafe, right. they'll, of course, be, you know, actually prosecuted if they can prove it. Um, but, yeah, so, like, you anyway, like, getting the getting too. the license plate would have been a very useful um, thing to have had. But, like, that's the ultimate kind of irritation and injustice for me because, like, I was shaking afterwards and I was very grateful that we had yeah. survived it. But the, the fucking goal of this guy in multiple ways a to be so you know inattentive to cause this situation b to then not even have the fucking human decency to stop and check that we were okay or anything um and then c to know that because we didn't get his number plate or anything like that that he will not see any even comeuppance for for doing what he did is so fucking frustrating um but ultimately after the the subject of the show that we were making and a, a fucking lovely getaway of a long weekend it wasn't it wasn't enough to dampen things but it would have been a somewhat thematically ironic end if um that had been <laughs> it, it it went it would if it would actually be perfect was it you driving <laughs> think about it you know if you just if you just finished a man in his 30s today died after filming a show, ironically, about, get this, mm, funeral homes. You forgot what my show was. I fucking booked it, yeah. <laughs> I you, is it about, it's about I was going to say nursing homes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I did. Um, I really wish I nailed that. That would have been a great outro. Yeah. And now this is going to be the outro. It sucks. Ugh. I could maybe I delete know. delete this. No, I think it's funny. You think mine nearly dying is funny? Uh, I think you nearly dying is hilarious, dude. You can only get to make that joke because I survived. <laughs> yes. Oh, by the way, I actually do have something to say on. on what okay, you just this said. is weird. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um. So I. <laughs> works works i haven't had that much to do at work these days so um like i sent you earlier i've, I've been um, when i've had no work to do i've been um making these um high resolution great um photoshops deep for photoshop yeah things <laughs> and um so well, i've spent quite a bit of time actually on your facebook page going through Photos that actually fit what I'm, <laughs> what, what I'm trying to put your face onto, and um, one thing that struck me, and it struck me at the time, is your profile picture that you have at the moment. Uh huh. Great photo. Okay. Um, 
you know, it's got all of your face in it. It's uh-huh. a great photo. Uh-huh. But every time I look at that photo, uh-huh. I think this looks like the photo of someone that has died tragically. And I'm seeing, <laughs> and I'm seeing this on the news. Like, do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder? Like, if you die under like newsworthy circumstances, that the news is going to go to your Facebook photo. A Facebook profile and 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 look through all the public photos and then pick a photo, and that would be the photo that they use, and that would yeah. be the photo that gets broadcast. Yeah, and your photo, your profile picture is just like screams tragic. Died in a car accident. Yeah. You know, it really does. And I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great photo. You look, you look, you look great. And you know, you know, I gotta say, uh huh. I gotta say this, and I say this, I gotta. I, I say this reluctantly, Nick. Oh no! If you, no, it's actually a compliment. That's why I'm oh, saying okay. it reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> a few of okay. my uh, a few of my female friends, uh-huh. uh, a few of my male friends actually as well. But a few of my female friends actually think you're a little bit of a little bit of a, a little bit of a stud. Oh God! They use um, that phrase. My girlfriend they? included. Oh, which is uh, news Emma. to me, but uh, apparently you're a little bit of a you're a little bit of a hot guy. Can I tell you something funny? Which is gonna then not it's not it's a bad humble brag. It's just kind of a brag now that I've acknowledged it. But yeah. uh, I was repeatedly <laughs> mistaken for one of the cast when I was on set because I would be <laughs> sitting on the chairs kind of aimlessly. And, like, clearly not doing any, like, heavy lifting or important work. And so, like, the makeup <laughs> artist on the first day came up and, like, hi, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll be doing your makeup today. And I was, like, oh, no, I'm, no, I'm not one of, oh! I'm not one of the, not one of the actors. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, like, enough times that it was weird. And I was, like, okay, well. Oh, it happened more than once. Yeah, what it happened, fuck? like, three times <laughs> that people thought I was. Wow. Um, I was okay. So this is another weird. And didn't you have models on set? We had literal models on set. Um, okay, next week I'm bringing you right back down to earth. From please do. This one, is dude. this has already been you're, too obnoxious. <laughs> but look, let's fucking let's ride into it, right? So at the end, um, uh, so there was a rap party on the Wednesday night, and um, the uh, the casting agent was there, and. I had interacted with or known of her from the process in which we were casting the show and um but I'd never met her and I'd never sort of seen her either so I just saw some of my friends like having a chat at this bar and we were, I wandered over to you know say hi and and join the conversation and introduce myself to this woman and she was like and I said oh hi I'm Nick and she goes oh hi yeah um we've met I was like uh She's like, yeah, yeah, we've met. I was like, oh, sorry, um, sorry, I, I, I'm not sure I, I know you. And she's like, oh, I'm the casting agent. And I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't think we've met. And she's like, yep, yeah, we have. You came in for an audition. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm not, not an actor. And she was like very put out by that. And wow. and she was like, huh. And she looked at me. In a way, as if to say... You snubbed her. Yeah, well, as if to be like, <laughs> either 
why are you playing this weird game with me? I can cast you in like anything. And if you're going to be weird to me, then you're not going to get any roles in this damn town again. Or, or B, <laughs> hey, this guy really looks like he could be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and he doesn't want me which means i need him yeah clearly yeah, this alpha you're, game you're playing is, the game this alpha game oh, yeah baby you're hot properly yeah lots oh, of lots of shit dude. you know i think i might be hot i'm, I'm, I'm starting to believe it dude i i'm i'm reluctantly uh i'm reluctantly thinking that as well i always <laughs> thought you were just some fucking nerd and here i am yeah my girlfriend is coming to me and saying, yeah, your fucking podcast buddy is a little bit of a catch. I'm Ugh. like, what the fuck is this? Well, you know, times well, they change. Times are a changing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> should we should get that on a mug? The times they are a changing. <laughs> Deep Foot. Deep Foot. <laughs> Deep Foot said that. <laughs> uh.